there's somebody who brings a new voice and a new name to the District 1 candidacy for serving the folks in Indio City Hall on the city council there. Glenn Miller has been in office, I think, since 2008, and he is facing a challenger who has been very active lately in some of the uh, local community stuff that's going on, uh, not just in her job as an everyday hero, as an RN here in the Valley, dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic crisis, but uh, somebody who really cares about what is happening uh, in so many facets of our lives and wants to uh, bring a new voice to the Indio City Council. Her name is Erin Turan, and Erin, it is my pleasure to uh, welcome you back to iHub Radio. We had a conversation once before when you were involved with a uh, no more hashtags event, uh, getting people to peacefully protest after the uh, the mayhem that we've seen in the last few months uh, back in the upper Midwest. So welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me today, John. I appreciate it. I'd like to start off, I guess, by uh, asking you what motivated you to want to run for city council in India. Well, you know, John, um, I've, I've been working in the community for a long time, um, working as a registered nurse, but, you know, also working on different events and campaigns in the Valley. I just felt like this was the time, um, you know, in addition to being a nurse, I, before I was ever a nurse, I worked as a paralegal and um, I worked a lot in real estate business and construction law. And so I felt that gave me a really good foundation Um but I think now that we've gone into districts, it makes it a whole lot more possible to really um, be able to to win an election. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think there's a lot of people, not just here in the Coachella Valley, but across this country, we've seen over the last couple of years who are looking for new, fresh voices to um, revitalize what is happening from the perspective of city councils, county boards of supervisors or councils, you know, state legislatures and federal elective office as well. And and so uh, you grew up here, though. You're no you're no newbie. You're not somebody who moved here as a as a uh, vacationer and, and decided to to stick around. Right. That's that's exactly right. Um, you know, I I'm from India. I went to school here from kindergarten through 12th grade. I I graduated from Indio High School, and, you know, this is the place where I raised my daughter. And so, you know, we see a lot of people that still have strong roots here. Um, and I think it's important that, you know, we're working with, you know, those that network of people to really bring representation that's more reflective of our values here in our city. And you think that that's, uh, that, that, that has been uh, lost in the mix? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, as we've seen the shift towards districts, I think we'll see some better representation. Um, You know, it's really going to hold city council members more accountable, Um, not only, you know, making it more possible to win an election, but it makes them more accountable to the area of their district. You know, while you really represent the entire city, it holds you, you know, to certain standards within the people that you represent. And so I think we'll see some changes coming out of that. You know, I, I really want to make sure that we're seeing 
some of these areas that have been disenfranchised and left behind that that they're able to get the same focus and attention that some of the more you know beautiful areas are receiving. Erin, uh, talk about those things that really do matter that you're hearing from uh, the citizens there in the city of Indio uh, that really matter to them, things that they think have maybe not been done as well as could be and, and that you think you can make a, a significant uh, a contribution to? Well, you know, I, as, a, as a resident, I, I make it a point to attend um, all of the, the meetings, you know, and, and now that's being done virtually. So it's, it's actually, that's been like the silver lining of this pandemic is we're able to be more involved because Zoom is a little, you know, a little easier. It makes it easier for people to participate. Um, but I, what I really noticed is you know, the people that you do see that are, you know, civically engaged are, you know, commenting at these meetings. And then I think oftentimes they're feeling like their concerns are being ignored or not a, not addressed. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the contradiction between the council that we have in place and our residents. And, and like I said, those values, there's a contradiction between them. So I think it's, you know, it's really going to be necessary to focus on each district and try and flip some of these seats and um, well, then we'll we talk- can start to address some of those needs. You know, Aaron, a lot of the residents have. Sure. Aaron, will you talk about that specifically? I mean, I, I, I think I know what you're what you're saying, but uh, for people who maybe do not, if you could kind of elaborate on mm-hmm. what that disconnect has been between voters and those who've been elected to represent them. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think we've, um, we've, with some of the recent social injustices, um, we've seen, you know, our community come out and ask for changes, um, you know, with the budget and how money is being addressed to law enforcement and asking for, you know, the the council to take a look and see what funds can be diverted back into social programs. Um, Some of the other issues, uh, recently we saw our community come out and really um, push for um, rental assistance, and we didn't see, you know, a, we didn't see a big push for that from the council. Um, you know, back in 2017, um, we we saw uh, the, our our residents come out and ask for sanctuary cities, and you know, the council was very opposed to it then. So I think that you know, these seats are there to you know, really give voices to our community, and we need to really make sure that that's what's being done. It's not for uh, personal power or authority. Yeah, talk about the, um, you know, I guess the disparity uh, between the makeup of the council historically over the last, you know, decade or two uh, versus the population there. I mean, uh, Indio is the largest of all the cities here in the Coachella Valley, and it certainly has a sizable Hispanic population. And yet I've always been surprised that there hasn't been more Hispanic representation on the council. Well, we're starting to see some more diversity, but in the past we've had a very conservative council. Um, in fact, prior to 2018, I think we had, you know, a representation from four Republicans and one independent, um, you know, and then two years ago, we had an independent and a Democrat come and flip two of those seats. 
Um, and we saw one of those was a Latino man and the other was a black man. And so we saw some more diversity, you know, come to the council. But I think that we do see that the residents in Indio do have a more um, progressive voice. And so we need to have a more progressive voice on the council to really push that agenda. Now, I want to uh, come back to a point you were making a few moments ago, which I, I think, you know, lended itself towards uh, as part of these progressive, more progressive views that you represent. Um, a lot of people have been talking about defunding law enforcement agencies, and I think that there's a real disconnect between the headlines and the reality of what defunding a law enforcement agency really means. Most people, I think, think that that means they're just going to take money away from them and get rid of the cops, and there's just going to be, you know, uh, all this lawlessness in the street, where I think really what progressives are trying to do is say there are things that we could do with the resources that we have for law enforcement uh, that could be done with social service things in some ways and, and be more effective in how we deal with problems in the community, not completely wiping out the police department. Uh, that's not the idea at all. You're not advocating for the elimination of the Indio Police Department, are you? No. In fact, I, I'm not really a big fan of the term defund on the police because I do think that it gives the wrong idea. And the only way we're ever really going to make change is if we're able to work together. Right. Um, I I do think a big part of it is going to be, you know, focusing on prevention, on preventing those things that get us to the point where, you know, something goes wrong. Um, but I think the biggest thing is first acknowledging that there's issues in our country. You know, we see our council now. Um, in fact, my opponent recently said during one of the council meetings, we don't have that problem here. And, you know, as a white man, how can you how can you go in front of your community and say that? Right. You know, that's not really for you to say. Um, so I think the first thing is, is to acknowledge that there's an issue and then and then, you know, listen to what those concerns are. Um, I, I still at the vigil, we we developed a nice relationship with the police department and we showed them, look, we're really here because we want to bring the community together. We want to create a discussion and it's not, you know, us against them. You know, we're here to try and see how can we prevent these things from happening and what can we do to work together to develop a better relationship between our police department and our community. Absolutely. I mean, that is that is the reality of this. And I think a lot of people get so worked up, you know, out of the, the political rhetoric of the far wings of both parties that, uh, that we're not having a, a discussion about, you know, common sense and the reality of who can help de-escalate situations, who can help to prevent criminal things from happening, who can help to, to impress upon a group of younger people that you can have a positive relationship with law enforcement, but you, you, get in, you get what you put into it. And if the police or some members of the police are not being actively uh, you know, enforced themselves and, and they feel like they're above the law and they, and they act that way in public, it's hard to set an example and, and for people not to go, hey, this isn't fair, this isn't right. 
You know, that's right. I think that's one of the things that gets lost on on people a lot. What other uh, uh, we have uh, just a, about a minute here and then we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with more. But what are some of the other priorities that you have in terms of what you'd like to do while on the council if you're elected? Well, I think with this pandemic, you know, we saw the effects that it had on NDO by losing um, Coachella Fest and Stagecoach and, you know, even even the revenue from the, the date festival. Right. Um, so I think we really need to start to focus on how we can diversify our, 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 our revenue and look for ways that, you know, we can really sustain a, a, a fiscally sound budget in the future. We are pleased to be joined by Erin Turan. She has decided to throw her hat in the ring for her uh, candidacy for city council in Indio. She's running in District 1, which is a seat that is uh, presently held by Glenn Miller. And maybe time for a little fresh blood in Indio or some more. I think so. Uh, We're glad that she's here to talk with us about it. She also... Uh, in her day job as a superwoman is a uh, <laughs> she is an RN and this is a heck of a time to be in your business. How do you feel, Erin, uh, that being a nurse in this pandemic has helped you to understand uh, the overall condition of humanity and, and how that plays a role in your desire to help fellow uh uh, you know, neighbors and, and uh, such, your constituency there in India? Well, we're seeing this pandemic have such a big effect on all of us. You know, I, I know that I hear, you know, I hear different friends complaining about different issues. And then I just try to remind people that we're all in this together, you know. And so I think that really, you know, reaching out to um, our fellow neighbors and our community members and seeing what they need is really important right now. Um, you know, even in the hospital, we've seen such a decline in, you know, my, my colleagues' well-being, their mental health. Um, and so trying to find ways to be positive to get us through this has been a real important thing for me. Um, I would imagine, we will get through it. <laughs> I would imagine that on top of that, the fact that you have to sometimes be able to make uh, split-second judgments and decisions to um, keep somebody uh, who is in extreme distress alive uh, is is something that helps play a factor when you have to, uh, you know, be mindful of making decisions that affect the well-being of an entire community. Absolutely. I think I work very well under stress. Um, I'm just like a natural fixer. I'm a helper. I want to you know, make things better. And that's, I think that's why I decided to become a nurse. Um, but I've, I've been really in touch with what other people are going through. I, my unit that I work on was converted to a COVID unit. So I worked with COVID patients. I ended up getting diagnosed with COVID myself and was very ill. Um, and so it's given me a really good perspective on what people are going through. Sure. Well, uh, I'm sorry to hear that you had to go through that yourself, and we're we're grateful for what you and your colleagues do uh, each and every day to to help our communities for sure. Um, uh, I I guess I was curious: Are you and Glenn Miller going to have a debate? You know, I'm not sure how that's going to work. You know, typically we see the chamber host a forum, and I'm hoping that we're 
able to do that um, in some way. You know, maybe it will be virtually. Um, we'll have to see what, what comes. Um, you know, there's been lots of Zoom interviews and endorsement processes that we've been going through. And, you know, I'm, I'm ready. If, if there's a debate in store, I'm ready for it. Tell me about you know, some of your endorsements. Sure. Um, well, the biggest we got, one of the first ones was um, Assemblymember Eduardo Garcia, um, one of the first women to come out and support me and really get, really give me some mentorship and advice um, was Coachella City Council member Megan Beeman Jacinto, um, Christy Gilbert Holstage from City of Palm Springs, uh, Council member Grace Garner. We have the Labor Council support. There's so many others. I can't name them all. I bet you need some help. <laughs> There's a long list. I've been very fortunate that we've had lots of support. Well, let me ask you, uh, for those folks who would be interested in in getting uh, more information and for being able to come and to help your campaign or to contribute to it, how can they do that? Well, you know, to, in order to run a successful campaign, it does take a lot of help in the form of, you know, financial support so that we can get our name out there by mailers and signs and billboards and um, we need we need volunteers to help with phone banking and texting and if we're able to walk the district so if you'd like to get in touch and you'd like to help in some way or another um, you can go to our website www.voteerin.com that's vote erin v-o-t-e-e-r-i-n.com well i appreciate your uh, taking the time to talk with us today on iHub Radio's John McMullen Show and to let folks know more about yourself and, and your background and what your aspirations are and how you want to help your community. And we wish you very good luck in this uh, race. I don't like seeing long-term uh, <laughs> occupants in any political uh, office, uh, people who are there for you know decades and decades, and I think it's time that we get a little fresh blood uh, pumping in another vein of Indio. So good luck with your campaign, Aaron, and we'll check back in with you between now and Election Day.